Good morning, everyone. Uh, happy fun Tuesday. Tuesday. It's Tuesday. We do these on Tuesdays and Thursdays. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Happy Tuesday. Good morning. Welcome to the Explicit Measures podcast. Uh, we're going to jump back in here and uh, we'll see how everything's going. Uh, it looks like we might have lost some audios for Seth, so we'll figure that nope, out. Oh, back. oh it's we're back. back. We're back. It's Welcome. fixed. Welcome. Tuesday. <laughs> Tuesday, Monday, whatever it is. Day of the week. Excellent. So uh, today's topic is basically around our Power BI tool belt or our workstations. So there's probably going to be a lot of uh, tangent conversations about what we do, how we how we build reports, what is the tooling that we, we use, and uh, we'll probably just get right into it. Not a lot of intro stuff. Not no no real announcements from Microsoft this week uh, that I think of, of any of any consequence yet. So let's jump into the topic. Tommy, go walk us through. Um, talk us. We're talking about our tool belt or our Dev Studio for Power BI. Define that for us. What does what does this mean? What are we talking about? Yeah. So uh, actually, first things first, the podcast is going to be transformed after today. So if you notice, I have a microphone oh, stand. Yeah. So for those of you Italian watching online can, in the podcast, yes, you will see that Tommy's podcast mic has been oh severely. You'll upgraded. notice if you don't have the video. So I'm Italian, <laughs> so I have to use my hands. Now there's nothing in front of me, so I can finally express myself because I haven't after 20 episodes. Look out, world! So, Look out! Oh no! So. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so we talked to Mike had this idea of talking about like, you know, what's what's your data studio or dev studio for Power BI? And I love that idea because it's basically, you know, for any professional that's working in Power BI, it's the, you know, the tool belt. So it's like your software tools, what are your essentials that you must have in your workflow? And this is more than just building a report. This is everything that uh, you need in order to, you know, your best to be most efficient your uh, best productivity, the things that supplement what you do so you don't have to worry about thinking about, let's say, what projects are you working on or the themes that you're doing. How, basically, everything that enhances your experience and makes it more efficient for you. Mm -hmm. Dig it. All right, Seth, I'm going to kick it over to you, bud. What would be some of your, kick us off with some some tools. Uh, look, thinking about your dev studio, what kind of things do you kind of jump into or do you use and and why? Yeah, I, I think the where where this needs to start that I I didn't think about very much until you know working from home a lot uh, is is the health aspects of your dev studio, right? So what do I mean by that? Is uh, what is your setup like? Like, are you comfortable? Right? Do you have a, a screen that you know isn't going to strain your eyes when you're staring at it for ten ten hours a day? Mm -hmm. uh, for me, it chair was a huge thing. Uh, I I splurged. I couldn't I couldn't recommend the Herman Miller Aeron enough. I mean that my butt used to hurt, and now it doesn't. Uh, and then desk, right? And it's standing, sitting. You know, is it at the right level? Just just those are the kind of imperative things that as you're gonna start trucking and sitting at your computer and developing for eight you know hours a day. You got to keep those things in mind and make the appropriate investments and adjustments to make sure that that's a comfortable experience um, and take take a walk every once in a while. I guess that's where I'd start from from an essentials perspective. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a really good point just because you're in this chair, you're in this space. Mm -hmm. I mean, especially from working from home, I've seen people kind of just kind of put out a, 
random table and get some stuff set up on a desk. And, you know, there's, you kind of need a space. I mean, I feel like definitely in this pandemic world that we've kind of come out of, you know, I have, I have the basement and I close the door and the family stays upstairs and I come down here. I've got my rolling mat. I've got a nice comfy chair. I opted for the cheaper Ikea version. Uh, so I, I have, uh, I don't have a Herman Miller nice chair. Maybe I should actually consider this and reinvest some money in my chair, but uh, I've been, I've been rocking the Ikea for a while now and it's good. I, I mean, it's comfortable, right? I've got enough desk space for everything to be laid out. Um, yeah, I like that one a lot. Tommy, what are, some, what are some things around your studio that you're using constantly? So from the studio, from the physical studio, the must-haves are by far the three monitors set up, 327-inch 20, monitors. Um, well, you're going all the way to you, three monitors? Three 327s. Three 327s, yeah. So, oh, man, I, I, I wish I could do the top three, too. If because I've seen you see people working in Power BI with just a laptop, I don't know how they do it. I I, I I'm always always flabbergasted Agreed. by that. And you yeah. can, but it that's a very you're you're putting yourself up for uh, not. It's a little harder workflow. And my other thing is, and again, part oh, of hold, we started, before we yeah, move yeah. on to the beyond, let's let's har let's harp on that one a bit more because I think okay. this is this is one of the things I would say is very important, especially when you're building Power BI, is your screen size. I think. Yes, yeah. you can do it on a laptop. Yes, you can have a 4K screen where it gets very super small, but I can't tell you the number of phone calls I've gotten onto when people are sharing screens about things, and their zoom level on their desktop is at 150%, yes. so the pixels are larger than they should be, and mm -hmm. you can barely see the report on the page with one or two or three panels open on the right-hand side of desktop. So Power BI Desktop is kind of a screen hog, especially when you start getting into Performance Analyzer, selection panes and bookmarks these are things you have to continue either click clicking a lot more than you need to or you just need a wider screen so i would also I, I wouldn't necessarily echo you probably need three screens i mean i have one again i've i've also overspent on screens uh, <laughs> but i have the one 49 inch ultra wide screen and i love it you can you can fully open every single panel and desktop and have a full report open and the report won't even maximize like you still have sp you have room to spare so yeah, I think that's um, I, I think a large monitor set or at least a second monitor is an essential yeah. for me. Oh yeah, yeah. At least having like I, <laughs> Tommy man, you're throwing me <laughs> back when when I was a SQL developer. Like I had I had four twenty fours, just nice. this wide band, yeah. you know. Mm -hmm. But ever since ever since working from home, like I have one one main bigger yep. monitor yep. and then well, laptop. So it, I think the second screen is the ancillary nice one. Yes. But the, once you get into the high res, like I didn't have two of the same monitor and it just kept annoying me. Yeah. So I, <laughs> That's a big annoyance for me too. I'd 100% agree. Sorry. All right, Tommy, we well, talked about monitors. Yeah. Your other one. So, and again, starting from working from home, uh, you know, it was what, uh, for most of us, it wasn't like, okay, get pick up your stuff and then you can start working from home. It was just, we don't know when we're coming back. So we had a, I had a keyboard at home and I didn't realize how much I love the mechanical keyboards. So I had an old Microsoft uh, at work. They gave me this old Microsoft, you know, mechanical keyboard, maybe from like 2005. And I loved it. I loved hearing the click. And so I bought a, a keyboard on Amazon. It was a Bluetooth. And it was just you know, like, it was probably what people consider today a normal keyboard, the flat keys. And I couldn't type. I couldn't, I, I couldn't do the normal, like, 
call it terrible typing, but it just, it, it took completely took me out of it. Uh, so I found what's called ducky keyboards. And I, I think they're probably meant for gaming. They look silly, but I don't care how silly they look. Um, they are such a, such a help. And I actually even bought another one for going back to the office. So I have one at the office and one at home, the same one, because hearing the, the typing, being able to know we were on the keyboard, it's been essential for me. And it's, it's absolutely, if I'm going somewhere, if I'm going to travel and I'm going to be there for a prolonged time, I'm going to bring the keyboard with me. And that's how important it is to me. Whoa. That is, yeah, I would almost agree with that. I mean, I think you find your, your favorites, but the, the, um, I keep buying the ergonomic Microsoft mm. keyboard that, that rises up in the middle. And because I mm. find that if I'm, if I'm, on a pro a normal flat keyboard in prolonged periods, my wrists start hurting. Oh yeah, yeah. I've seen, I mean, I've noticed that every time I've you've worked anywhere, you have like, the keyboard that has the rise in the middle, and you kind of yep. takes your hands and and rotates them like mm -hmm. what thirty degrees or so, so you can kind of have them yeah. at an angle a little bit. Yep. Mm, interesting. I so I have this really weird maybe perspective. I have when I was doing this when I wasn't working from home, I was always people would always give me like I go to a company or whatever or you're consulting. They give you a laptop. They'd always say, do you want a keyboard? I'd say, no, I don't ever want a keyboard. I want to type on the laptop's keyboard because I I found it was hard for me to transition. Tommy, like you said, on keyboards, yeah. it's hard to transition from a keyboard that's like a mechanical keyboard, keys are taller, to a regular keyboard where keys are super flat on a laptop. And I would just get super messed up. The keys yeah. strokes were weird and in wrong places. And I wanted to <laughs> I wanted to type without having to look at the keyboard all the time. So I may, I forced myself, I'm going to learn... Whenever I got a laptop, I would spend like, I was going to force myself to learn where all the keys are, and I yep. would only type on the laptop because I thought when I left my desk and went to a client, I'd be there typing, and I just want to be as fast and efficient as possible. And if I'm stumbling around on a keyboard, it looks unprofessional. And you're like, yes, I use keyboards, but like, this is a different <laughs> one than I'm used to, and I'm not going to complain. So I made it a, a mental choice, and so I, I have now, since I'm consulting, I don't go anywhere. I, I stay right. here. And then... I now I bought like almost the exact same laptop keyboard, but now in like the Microsoft keyboard. So I use the Microsoft keyboard uh, that I connect in through like Bluetooth. And I really like that. So quick, fun story about keyboards, and then we can actually move on. Um, when I was working from home, I wanted the same keyboard that I had at work. And it was, I think it was like a Microsoft 1000 and couldn't find it anywhere. I, I had a, another mechanical keyboard by Microsoft that didn't work. So I found a the same Microsoft 1000. However, it was in Taiwanese. It was not in English. So I basically took any key that did not I was not sure what it was, took it off and replaced it from the broken keyboard just to get something. I needed something to work. Granted, some of the input didn't work because it was expecting something else, but it was that's how <laughs> when when you get into a workflow for keyboard shortcuts um, you know, just what we're typing in dev, uh, it just keyboards are essential and it can make it, it can just make you so much faster and so much more efficient. So while we're on the topic of keyboards, I'm going to bring up something that's been a sore spot in my side for quite a while now. Desktop has removed the quick access toolbar that lives mm -hmm. at the top of desktop. Now I'm one who was super lazy and I like to be as efficient as possible, particularly when I'm arranging visuals on a page. So if I have multiple visuals, I want it to align the top edge 
and I want to evenly distribute them or I'm making KPIs or I want to take two visuals on the left hand side of the page and I want to align them on the left side. I would, I, in the quick access toolbar, I made shortcuts where I could hit alt one, alt two, and I could make these quick access links. I could select a group of visuals and I could quickly slap them around the page just by with those shortcut mm -hmm. keys. And something that's missing in desktop is I don't have the quick access toolbar anymore, which forbids me now from making my own shortcuts in desktop. So there's two things I want. Either bring me back the quick access toolbar or allow desktop to enable me to make my own shortcuts for buttons around the application. Because I, there are things that I do all the time. Like I'm always opening and closing the selection pane. I'm always opening and closing the desktop or the, the bookmarks pane. I need more shortcuts or I need the ability to make my own shortcuts so I can quick access these things and open them and shut them when I want with keyboard commands. I do not want to be clicking around the keyboard anymore. So to me, those are things that desktop, it's, it's accessible already with shortcuts, but like there's not enough of them. Right. And they're not easy to find where they're documented either. You have to kind of dig for them too. And when you're talking with the Alt-1, Alt-2, that's available for those who actually don't know any Office program. Any Office you can program. Access, yeah, yeah. So PowerPoint for data. Yep. Almost. Almost, um, but not really. You can, you can act, if you Outlook, PowerPoint, if you use the Quick Access Toolbar, mm -hmm. which I strongly encourage you to do for all your Office programs, yep. you can access them in order. So it's the first one is Alt-1 yep. Alt from two. left to right. So yeah. Yep. You, can, so you, you can, wrote a great article about that. I, I, and I thought it was, I, I wrote the article because I wanted people to know about it, but I also wanted people to complain about it so we could get it back. <laughs> 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 but that's, that was one, that would be one of my, my tricks from a, a speed standpoint as well. So I'm going to go into some other, you know, so I'm going to pick on some more tools. I like how we're doing the round robin here. So I'm going to, I'm just going to say one more thing. We can discuss it and then we'll kick it over to, uh, you know, Seth again. And we'll kind of do another a round about our tools. Like so another tool that I think I have found absolutely essential is Tabular Editor. I am really a fan, and it's it's not just Tabular Editor 2, which is kind of already out, it's been out there for a while, but it's Tabular Editor 3. And there is some stuff in there. There's a couple of features that I absolutely love. It's so amazing. Um, I've used a couple times where you script out measures. You, you basically select some measures, script them, and it makes them as scripts that you can just create measures with. I like that feature a lot. I think that's pretty cool. Um, there's also this ability to be able to write C sharp scripts. And this is more, this is where I would say, if we're talking a Power BI Pro, right? If we're talking about someone who's a, a gonna use this program every day, all day, and it comes, if you're hiring someone who's a, a Power BI Pro, these this is a tool I would expect you to know about and could open on your desktop and show me a couple things of that tool while you like the features of it, because it is so powerful. And if, if someone can't, so for those who are hiring managers, if we have, if I'm hiring someone and they don't understand tabular editor, where to get it and how to get it in, how to use it in desktop, I'm skeptical of you really being a professional in Power BI because this tool is so revolutionary and it's so pivotal to my workflow. Sorry, um, I'll, I'll go back to my, my scripting thing, you can write C sharp scripts and then you can uh, basically pre, you can select columns that are numbers, run a script, and then it will automatically generate the measures you need for like create sums and then hide the columns. So you can create an automated process around, okay, 
I need to go through and hide all my columns that are number values and instead replace them with a sum of a value and make a name for that measure. So you can do all of that stuff by scripting it out and it super speeds up your time. There's many more things I love about um, Tabular Editor 3, but I'll just pause there and just kind of hit Seth up and say, Tabular Editor 3, is that, or that tool or reactions or, you know, what do you think, Seth? I, I was going back and forth, man, you know, because like for the business user that's using Power BI Desktop, you know, is Tabular Editor 3 an essential or is it a supplemental, you know? That's and a good point. It, yeah. oh, man, I, I'm, I'm going to lean into the essential, right? Just from the standpoint that the, the time savings alone are worth understanding and learning the tool, that it should just be part of your, your daily usage. I need to get better. I don't develop as much as I, I have been in the past. Yeah, but it it is the the costs, the time savings alone are worth making that an essential part of your tool. And you don't have to go after Tabular sure. three. You can start with yeah, Tabular right. two. Yeah, he's got it's free, free. free versions. You yep. can still do scripting. Yep. You can still talk to the model, and and Tabular two lets you connect to the Power BI XMLA endpoint, so you can go into PowerBI.com mm -hmm. and edit stuff, and you can Give connect to desktop. So like and what I'm if I'm if I'm building now like I have one desktop open that's the thin report, I have one desktop open that this is the model, and I don't even honestly I don't even look at that desktop anymore. That's just on my computer somewhere, maybe even minimized. I don't even have it up, and then I have Tabular Editor up, and that's my model exercise. So I do all the modeling in Tabular Editor, and then the with the rare exception of hey I actually need to go into the PBIX model file and add a new table. I'll do the M and the Power Query in there because that experience is still better in desktop yes. for M and Power Query. But modeling, I'm doing all that in Tablet Editor now. Well, and Seth, you said something about, I don't know if it's an essential or supplemental. I think probably not what you meant, but probably that that question is, is it a prerequisite to building a report? No. It's not required to build a Power BI report, but I would put it under an essential in my tool belt or my studio um, just because of that, again, the efficiency of it, some of the features of it. Not every report I build will always require using Tabular Editor 3. That being said, the majority of if I'm building a new report, I've realized I'm using it more and more starting off. Yes. Um, so it's become essential to my workflow, but it's not a prerequisite. It's not required to build a report. Yeah. Well, and the flow of this conversation is some stuff that we say should be. Yeah, essential. yeah. Um, I, I would in that external vein, tools vein, right? Say ALM toolkit for mm -hmm. sure is one of those things oh, yeah. that um, needs to be part of the conversation just yep. from the standpoint that without it, uh, when you're working on large models or, yeah. you know, deployed models within the service, it, it for those familiar with um, old SQL folks, right? SQL compare, yep. it's literally like exactly yeah. that experience. Show me the differences between these models and push it to the service. And so easy, so, so fluid, essential. <laughs> Learn yep. it. Yep, yep. And I'll, and I'll point out too, these two tools are things you have to go find on the internet and download and install. And right. we and we have felt that this is, these are called external tools because they're external to Power BI. But we have at Power BI Tips, we love this so much, we've decided to build an installer packager that bundles all these tools up that we have found on the internet and tries to keep them up to date. So I'm going to shamelessly pitch here 
another tool that I think should be a part of your um, your workflow would be business ops. So it's the Power BI, ti uh, Power BI Tips business ops tool. And what this does is it's basically a single installer that lets you add multiple tools into your workstation with a single click. So you can add ALM Toolkit, you can add DAX Studio, you can add mm -hmm. Tabular Editor, and there's a whole bunch of other, let's call them PowerShell scripts that the community has built that this tool also allows you to install. And mm -hmm. so one of the other essential tools, again, I'm, I think I think a point here I'm going to make is we are talking a lot about two roles of people, I think, in this conversation right now. We're talking about the person who is the data modeler, the guy making the data models, and I think that person needs to have Tabular Editor, ALM Toolkit, and DAX Studio, part of their, their repertoire. Then there's the second person is the report builder. I just consume a model someone else has built, and I don't think, I think to your point, Seth, you're like, I don't know, I'm on the fence if Tabular Editor is something that is essential, and I think, I think that's that second role that we're talking about. If I'm just the report builder, and I don't consume the data models, or I'm letting someone else model the information for me, then maybe you don't, I would agree, maybe then you don't need the tabular editor tooling or the knowledge of that 100%. I think it would help you, but I, 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 in my mind, I envision the, the guy modeling the data and the guy building the report is kind of the same person. And I do a lot of that as, as, as the same role for me. And I'll argue as tabular editor gets more adoption. Did you know that uh, there's one of the scripts, a macro they're called now, that actually uh, is to create a perspective in Power BI because you can only do that in something like tabular editor. I do know if about it, and you can install yeah. it from Business Ops, and it's called, it's actually Kai has made a tool, and you probably don't even know about this one, Tommy. There's Kai has made a tool. I know, right? Like, okay. Man, I missed it. What? I have a Google Alert and everything. Tell me, <laughs> so, so Kai from the Microsoft team has made a uh, language translation tool where you can go to Azure, turn on the you know a, a cognitive service, Wait, get the API what? key, put it in your model, and it will read every column every table name and every measure, measure name, and it will automatically read those values, go to the um, Microsoft AI translator, translate it into any language you want. And it's, he's literally got like hundreds of languages in this thing. And you just Wait, pick the language. What? Yes, you pick the language so you, you want. Send that now? It's in business ops. Go down the oh. business ops, it's already there. So you don't have to do I any think... translations. You don't have to use tablet editor. You just go get that tool, run it, Use your API key, and it will so auto-translate the language for anything for any model. Oh, wait, wait. <laughs> I know. I know. It's so good. Wait, but that's I, not perspectives, though. I mean, right. that's amazing. But... Right. Oh, well, it's true. Top, true, like, true. You're right, Tommy. It's not perspectives, but it's similar. the values. So, but Mike's that's so the, excited about that. He's I gotta, like, I, I know that's it. really cool. I got to see what this does, because okay. that, that that's a big thing coming up for me. Well, so, the, the only so, the only thing it will not... So, this is translating all the metadata of the model into people's languages that they would need to consume. So, like, if I'm, you know, the column names, those things would translate. What it does not do is it's not translating the data that's inside your columns. So it's not translating like right. row by right. row. That makes sense. You know, yeah. this is called you know, uh, you know the the widget, right? Yeah. It's not translating the widget item name into a different language. So it's not doing that. That has to be part of your right. data model. But it's it's all of the challenge stuff that we would have to do in the model. Yep. To yeah. be multilingual. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and, I'm this time right, I'm going to learn Italian this, then. Huh? 
So sorry, Tommy, you're going perspectives route, and I I totally got excited, and that was not a perspectives thing. Sorry. You literally said you're like perspective. Yeah, so that perspectives are great. Did you actually know something completely unrelated? So that that <laughs> that was my fault well, totally. <laughs> so I was like getting really excited. I'm like, okay, language. He'll get to it. He'll get. He didn't get. Nope, to never it. got okay. to it. I um, totally transient right there. Yeah. Sorry. So real. Yeah. Just go back and out for those who are listening who do know C sharp well. Uh, there's a script in uh, Tabular Editor you can you can add to as a macro that basically pops open a perspective prompt where you can actually it's like check boxes you can say what do you want to have in your perspective so if you can create an interface in a c script in tabular editor is almost like there's probably tools within the tool that people can build which isn't that could be part of my essentials but uh mm. yeah so we could probably talk all day about tabular editor and well, we, we should and we should we probably should probably, should probably move on today. why don't you say that well and now that you say that we're actually so tommy and i are presenting this this month's power bi user group for milwaukee and chicago on the 27th of this month and we'll be going into a deep dive into tabular editor we're going to talk about some of its features we're going to talk about some stuff that's awesome in it tommy's going to talk about the best business business practice best analyzer. Practice, best practice best practice analyzer, analyzer. So that's going to be another one here. So stay tuned. It's on, it's on YouTube. We've already got the, we've already got the video scheduled, so you can go ahead and watch it. It's already been there. So just hit the bell, well, subscribe to the channel because we're going to talk about this stuff later in the month. All right. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit hard on this topic, right? Because I think for a lot of the listeners, you know, they, they may be catching this episode and not all of our other hours of conversation around essential tools. So. The, the way I thought about this is kind of the 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 build down, right? Like what are what are the tools mm -hmm. I need in, at each stage? Mm -hmm. um, and I'm just gonna accelerate the conversation a little bit and throw a bunch of things at you guys, and then you can okay. you can spit back at me here. So from from the very beginning, we talked about the health, right? But I, I need to understand what I'm doing, whether I'm the model or whatnot. There's always the what it what are the needs of the report? We have a bunch of requirements. <clears throat> what do what is the raw data? Mm -hmm. compared to the report mapping need to be. So frankly, I was going to throw this at Excel is one of those tools that potentially is that like mapping table kind of like this this core table and this one make up this calculation, right? So I have this this central place to view um, what I'm a, what I'm going to build, right? In a very technical way. The, the kind of the supplemental would be like a lucid chart or Visio, right? Where I'm actually diagramming things that that line down into the outputs of my report. Yeah, yeah. So I would start start there from a understanding what I'm doing kind of thing. Yep. Um, from a visual layer, I would almost say is essential are scrims, mm -hmm. like Power BI type scrims, like the the backgrounds that yeah. that reduce a lot of objects on the page, or and. It, like in my my tool set is Illustrator, mm. and I think it's worth it because I'm a, a completely anal guy when it comes to the visual aspect of things. We've also found a, a lot of huge success in Adobe XD. Oh yeah, I um, love that XD, mm. and that's free. As, like laying out what your background is, right? Yeah. That's free, huge. And then some people use PowerPoint, which we eh, <laughs> some. There's some stuff out there. It but works. Like, but laying out, laying out the objects on the page yeah, and the visual feel of how, how you want to, you know, present a report, those tools streamline that, like, properties, messing around, sizing things, spacing things within the Power BI desktop. I agree with that. Standard Standardization of those, like, if you're going to be doing, this, like, 10 reports 
for the same thing um, than Tips theme generator. Yep. Make a theme and you will mm-hmm. save so much time as opposed to mm-hmm. trying to build your own JSON file. Tommy, you've talked about that a, yeah. a lot. Uh, we already hit ALM Toolkit and Tabular Editor, uh, SharePoint or Confluence yes. for documentation. There should always have a repository of information. I want to harp uh, on that for, one for the report build. I want to. I think that's an underrated step you just called out there. A tool that is an essential is document what you're doing and make sure that when people ask you questions, mm-hmm. if you are the Power BI expert in your area, whether it's your group, your team, your entire organization, I don't care where you are, never answer an email, never answer a team's <laughs> question. Do not. You are giving you are giving yeah. your information to one <laughs> other them guy. Ignore them and instead take their question, write it on a SharePoint page, write it on a Confluence page, make it a part of your process. You have to stop answering one question at a time. You are too valuable. Your time is too um, needed to answer one person's question at a time. If that one person's asking that question, odds are there will be other people asking the exact same question. And so you need to like. Wherever you are, this is today. This is worth your weight in gold on, list, on listening to us ramble for 30 minutes today. This is, the, this is the gold nugget for today. Stop what you're doing. Stop answering questions one at a time and go to a knowledge base, a SharePoint, a Confluence, someplace where you have a common location that everyone in your organization or team can access. Take their question, write it down, answer the question there, and respond with email or Teams via link. Here's the answer to your question and go push them to the knowledge base. I can't tell you how much that will help you and it will drive your adoption. It will drive uh, your culture inside your team and you will find that you, you'll be much more productive when you do that because you will get asked the same question many, many, many times and you need a way to push people to where the answer Absolutely. is. Yeah. 100% yeah. on the, that one. The, the external facing, especially is like kind of where that comes yeah. in. Yeah. Donald brings up a really good note, like one note, Yep. is also something we use extensively internally for the internal report mm-hmm. build team where yes. we're, that. we are taking notes in every meeting. Mm-hmm. So there's, there is a, you know, what happened in the meeting kind of synopsis of, you know, what was co- conversed, how did we come about, you know, finding what that is. And then some of the nitty gritty of locations of things or, yes. you know, sometimes the, like the, how do we go build that? So references to the Excel documentation, SharePoint, et cetera. So yeah, another great tool. And then finally, um, SharePoint for PBIX storage mm-hmm. cannot tell like for everybody out there cannot tell you it is still the best place to stick your PBIX files Yes, for version history, yes. for going out and finding what the heck happened, you know, when something got deployed, why, like who was the last user that touched it or saved it, you know, and, and yep. typically like you will want to make sure that that storage location and the files in there mimic the production workspaces. Yes. Like that, that is the key manual step you need to have in there is like whoever's modifying it, you have to treat that like your, your one, one to one workspace to storage of a PBX file. So I just spewed out a bunch of stuff. React. Some of that. You know, I'm going to add, yeah. React. Yeah. I'm going to absolutely react to the SharePoint because we have such an integrated infrastructure with, it's a fun sentence. We have such a, uh, our infrastructure with Power BI and our BI team is so uh, 
dependent and so tied together. So when version one workspaces were available, I actually told my boss right before you couldn't create a V1 anymore. I'm like, could you create a V1? I'll just upgrade it. And yes, understanding IT may come at me because it created SharePoint libraries for each of those workspaces. So not only do each share SharePoint library for each of our workspaces is where our PBIX files are stored. But if we're doing anything in Power Apps, if we're actually asking the, let's say, marketing workspace, uh, they need to add Excel files to, you know, so we can automate that in Power BI. We share a folder in that Excel file. Uh, our our SharePoint lists that are tied to our Power yep. Apps and are in that particular SharePoint uh, library, that, that SharePoint group. So they're intimately yeah. tied together. I, intimately tied together. And I want to jump on that whole SharePoint listing. I, it's underrated. I really like mm -hmm. SharePoint. It's not, it, if you're going to store thousands of records, SharePoint list is probably not your place. You need to, you, you need to start thinking about bigger data storage things. But yes. if you need a handful of items, if you need, you know, if you have some sales goals, if you have some things you need to pull into a data model, I really like the ability of SharePoint because the SharePoint lists particularly, because it's very easy for you to put data in it's a structured way. You can restrict Huge. the data coming in more so than Excel, right? In Excel, you can basically yes. put anything you want in a cell. And if you're expecting a number to show up and someone types something and a number, it blows your model up. So I really like SharePoint because there's a little bit more control around the data coming into a table. You can say this is a number only column and it should be arranged between this and this. So I like the tighter controls of the SharePoint lists. And it's faster when you have smaller lists to load. I mean, do it there. Build build your process around, hey, sales team, I've made a list. Go here. Input your objectives. Put it in this one location. Don't use Excel. And it makes things, I think, downstream for us, right, as, as data teams, you know, we have this ability of, so as I think through, like, getting from a proof of concept data set into a certified data set, this is one of those barriers mm -hmm. that I think that needs to be there when you get to certified levels. You need a power app, a process, something that's checking the data as it comes into your system. So you can say, all my certified data sets do not rely on Excel sheets to supplement data. We have built yeah. a proper it, process around that. And not only that, to a SharePoint list, especially if you're building Power Apps or doing things with forms, and you need, let's say, external uh, or uh, someone outside the BI team to input, like let's say they need to update medium sources or the sales rep, you can create a Power App very easily Depend, um, tied to a SharePoint list where they can kind of input any new changes or updates. And that uh, that workflow works so well. So, I mean, we are intimately tied with SharePoint list with what we do with Agreed. our infrastructure. Then you create a data flow from the SharePoint list so you can have that stored for, you know, have your queries and you're good to go. Uh, one thing, as we were talking about documentation uh, and that more front-facing for a business user, one tool I'm so not surprised you guys didn't say, but I is essential to me that I, I probably use every day is Snagit. Um, is basically a screen clipping tool. And obviously Microsoft has their their new clip tool. Uh, if you never heard of TechSmith Snagit, um, it's by far the efficiency the efficiency to be able to easily answer someone's question like, hey, where's uh, you know, where's that button? Or when you're sending an update to a, a, a department or team, it's like we created this new, you know, this new version. Here's here's where you can um, you know find the new buttons. Here's going to find the new features. You can easily create a video segment. You can uh, the ability to kind of edit the screen. It's 
like Adobe XD is amazing, but again, that's that's not going to take you 30 seconds to create uh, create a quick image compared to something like Snagit. So I don't use Snagit. Um, instead, oh, wow. I use well Windows Shift S. So the snipping tool. It's the snipping tool that's built the, into desktop yeah. that does. I think it does basically the same thing. Uh, the only thing it doesn't give you is like the little crosshairs. I mean, it, it grays out your screen and gives you some crosshairs that you can go find oh. stuff with. But it goes right to my clipboard, and I think Snagit also does that. And then you can just kind of copy paste that. it around. So I agree right, with that part. You can add arrows and text. Yeah. But I don't. I do not does use. Do, does it do little snippet. videos, Tommy? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we use that all. Anytime we do an update to a report or a Power App, we'll say, "Hey, we just updated the Power App," and I'll just do a thirty-second demo of it of sharing my screen or the window. So. And we so share you that. can do a look, really? Yeah. See, this and is, then this is interesting to me because I've always wanted to to replicate that uh, that tool called Google this, mm -hmm. you know. So when somebody's yeah. like, "Hey Seth, how do I? I can snag I can snag it. So me opening a browser, going to Google, and saying, "How do I do this?" And then I can send <laughs> yeah. that to them. <laughs> you can send that to them every single time. Every yep. single time. I remember that. I'm Let in. me Google that I'm for in. you. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. So, so if, you know, Snagit's if, a, a huge part. So if I'm using video stuff, I'm not using Snagit. I'm using Camtasia. So Camtasia well, would be my. You're doing, but yeah, I'm doing video and a little. Show me, show me what the, show me how to go do something real quick. I still, right. I still use that because you can, you can grab a section of the window on the screen and then I can cut it down yeah, or edit it after think, the effect. I think it's well, it's the same, it's the same company. It's the same, same company. Same company. Yeah, I, I don't. It's probably yeah. just easier to use without opening up the application. Probably true. Right. I'll to, I'll to try this out. I'm looking at comments Tommy, here. You, you almost uh, you were like you were. It almost sounded disappointed, man. I can't believe you guys. I can't believe you guys didn't recommend Snagit. Out of all people, kind of thing. <laughs> like, well, especially I, when you're writing documentation, so it just fell a notch always, in my head. <laughs> now, <laughs> I might expect that, Yeah, what I thought of you guys is no longer the case. Yeah. <sighs> no, sorry, um, to sorry to disappoint. Well, going back to the Snagit, um, just real quick, it's the being able to easily send something to a user, but also when you're doing the documentation, you better well have screenshots in there somewhere. And it makes it very easy, you know, whatever tool, it doesn't have to be Snagit, just some screen sharing tool, I feel is essential for what we do. I would agree. I, I would, yeah, I would agree. I, I don't, I think your rigor on documentation is much deeper than what I think I mm -hmm. do in current processes and jobs and things. I think I, I do a lot more work around documenting models with that you know taking screenshots okay. of, of tables sure, yeah. and um one cool. thing i'm super picky about when i'm modeling things is making sure that the model view makes sense i can't tell you every time i walk into a model tables are all over the oh, place lines don't gosh. go anywhere and i can't i can't find out anything that matches anything so i'm i'm doing a pattern now and seth's seen it when i do when i do these i'll literally line up the dimension tables all along the sides of the model view and all the fact tables will be across the bottom and when you do that all the lines go straight and down to the table and it's super easy super easy to see where everything relates and then you can take a screenshot of that whole thing and say here's your model dimensions are here and here facts are down here and you can see all the paths run down to the main table and then you, you can quickly point out like where are their problems areas in your model from just relationships i've been trying to figure out how to do something like that forever and that's why you play attention you, to the Mike. podcast yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's good it gets harder to see though when you have many tables. Like I was just in a model the other day that probably has about thirty or forty tables in it. It gets like, and there was like probably a good handful, like twenty five back tables. So um, it was 
it's a little bit challenging to see that because you do lose a lot of landscape space for that. Um, if you have that kind of challenge, though, I would say start building other views, right? So another thing that mm -hmm. I think is underutilized in desktop while we're on this topic is the layout view. You can make your own custom other, other layouts and you can add additional layouts there inside desktop, which I think is, I'm using them more and more now. I think that's a good feature. So my last, I think, essential tour that's absolutely part of my uh, dev studio is VS Code. And I say that because they have two plugins for one for like DAX syntaxing and M syntaxing. And what we do is for certain functions, certain formulas in DAX that we may need to reuse, like rolling 12 months that maybe I don't remember off the top of my head, um, like the, all the variables. I'll, we'll save that in a universal query folder for the BI team to say, hey, if you want to do rolling 12 months or the previous year based on the uh, like our the model our structure this is what you can reference and so it makes it really easy for certain things if we're doing comparisons some advanced DAX queries I can always reference those uh, DAX measures I use OneNote or on um, Notepad plus plus and I created a syntax highlighter for Power FX just because it's sometimes a lot we've talked about the window and power apps and i'm not going to get into that now but um just using something to save certain queries just so you can reference it again also helps you learn for especially with m mm -hmm. uh like basically how it works with notepad plus plus if you download uh the syntax highlighter and the you know the the you can actually add in the m language yeah um it can actually do autocomplete for you too so it helps you understand basically how m works so and we'll we'll save certain ones it's not as needed now with data flows but it was kind of essential back in the day yeah but saving code um and that you can reference is is huge because there's either open the power bay report file try to find it or you can have it saved somewhere so i like that one is there is is there a is there an option within tabular editor to store existing queries or no not in into an Excel file. There's like a documenter version. Yes. And then don't do that on an X. Don't do that on something in the service because that adds a data source. At least the one yeah. I did. Okay. So, so it's all it's all something. built into the models. Yeah. And you can it will export <clears throat> an Excel file with the DAX queries. Which so is you helpful. you've created a code repository of just general general. DAX right. measures. Things I may need to go reference. back to on a you know, on a frequent basis. See, so. this is. This goes to my earlier point. Don't do anything mm -hmm. once. Like if you're learning right. something, right. shove it in an area that other people can learn from it. But that takes a little bit more rigor. Un yeah, but it's saying like that's a really good that's a really good idea, Tommy, because those are business centric measures, right? Mm -hmm. So more often than not, you you may actually just go find the thing you need, or right. it's very applicable because the team is is engaged in that those data sets all the time. Hmm. Right. I find it's very challenging to get the team all on the same page all the time for all the measures. You keep keep them there. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you'll go into. <laughs> oh, we're just talking measures. Yeah, we're talking just measures here. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I would say, I think we've covered a lot of good tools. The only tool I think we talked about before this meeting that we didn't bring up here, and maybe someone brought it up, was a tool to manage your workflow, right? Yeah. So as as you oh, yeah. so there's there's this idea of I have a team. I have people who are going to request information from my team. And I think maybe we're taking a bit more of the IT approach, right? We're, we're moving more towards a centralized BI team in this conversation part. But 
a ticketing system, whatever that may be, mm-hmm. whether it's DevOps or Jira or something else, that you can manage your workflow of your team and figure out what is required for us to build or create, I think that's an essential tool, honestly. Planning your work is so hard. And uh, you know, Seth, Seth knows, if he starts building and having so much fun in Power BI, the planning turns into a crap storm. And then two weeks later, we're like, wah! And Seth's like, I gotta plan more. Like it's, I, let me focus on the planning. And the planning is so key to keep all your people on a well-oiled machine chewing through the work as fast as possible. And so I think that's an, I think honestly, I'm, I'm really enjoying the Jira more so than I am the DevOps or storyboards. Or I, I think that's like, to me, that's a really good tool. You know, what's incredible is I we're starting to use Jira more and more. So I've tried to look up like Power BI uh, examples of Jira, like a, you know, product, and there's nothing out there. No, absolutely nothing. Yeah. So maybe that's a topic I, that I we would, cover. I would recommend, I would recommend spending some time, Tommy, and figuring out how, how to appropriately set things up in Jira. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because it can be very powerful. Um, yeah. I, I was going to flippantly start the conversation off with like, oh, hey, Seth, what would you recommend? I'm like, Jira, because that's where I spend my time, <laughs> a lot of my time. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. for for organizational work, tasks, butt that up with, with where the business, you know, needs us to be. And yeah, it's it's a fantastic tool. Yeah, I think it, I think it really helps uh, align people with what's going on. I think it's also like even, even from an understanding perspective, like what are your team members working on? Like, it's hard to know what everyone's working on. And are we all working on the same goal in the right direction? Are we working on the mm-hmm. most of the highest priority yeah. things? What does that look like? Uh, and I, I think to you, Seth, your point too, right? It's, it's a lot about if we're talking big IT organizations, mm-hmm. it's a, you, you need a, that is a tool that requires a lot of maintenance and time and updating, but it is a planning oh, tool. You'd have a, yeah, you'd have, an, you'd have an entire teams managing that yeah. for the most part. Yeah. Right? And like our yep. interaction is is mostly, you know, is is that, what is the what is the entity that we're estimating, right? And, yes. and then, how how does that flow into overall objectives, yeah. et cetera? Et cetera. I was going to make that point. I was like, and this is a good tool that you can go back to your executive sponsor and be like, mm-hmm. this is why we're doing what we're doing. This is how we're handling the workflow, and this is the value we're producing. And if someone says no, go over here. You can say, okay, here's my ten things I've been working on. Here's what you said this was is- priority previously. Just to be yeah. clear, you're changing direction and we're going to reshift to a new priority and then they're able to make the decision. So I think that's, I mean, from an, again, I'm going very like high level here for a second moment, but like <laughs> when you're talking about direction and, and leadership direction and have that executive level buy-in to make sure that your team is working on what the business finds most valuable, you've got to have those conversations. You've got to have stuff written down. This is also, Tommy, that tracking mechanism where that, reporter or you know and you're the person who requests the ticket and oh, has yes. you go work on something for two months and used it once that's yeah. where this comes in yes it's like tommy where'd all your time go well, it's right, right here right, right here there. this guy right here asked for it yeah. yeah and this is all the time we track towards that thing yes right so yeah, was we, that not a business goal <laughs> right <laughs> well, it was on here yeah we now and it's it now tracked <laughs> and that's why i, I so because we use, we use a help desk software, but we're, like I said, we're investigating Jira. So by the way, Seth, I have a thousand questions for you now. As <laughs> so just, just make yeah, three they, or four epics. You don't need a million epics. The more epics you have the make, the harder it becomes to manage. 
That's okay. my that's my word of advice. I still have a thousand questions. I appreciate that. <laughs> that that probably that, cut about a hundred of them off right there. Yeah, they cut a hundred <laughs> off. So we're about the nine hundred and fifty, so probably. So dig it. Well, with that, I think any other comments around Jira stuff? Because if not, I think we're that that is a good solid, almost solid hour of tooling and things that we do in our, our Power BI workflows. All right. Looks like we're good. All right, Tommy. So uh how like for those of you who are who are watching online on YouTube, we'd love you know, thank you very much. This has been a lot of fun. We've been getting a lot of engagement from from the community around the podcast. Please make sure you uh, like this video, subscribe if you like it. Uh, it helps us get the the audience larger. Do me a favor if you are listening, please tell someone else who loves Power BI about yes. the podcast. Uh, we'd love it's just it's just fun. And if you're enjoying it and you're getting value out of it, odds are someone else that you know may also get some value out of it and learn a, a couple things. I learn things. And doing the podcast yeah. and Tommy and Seth uh, encourage me. And uh, there's things that I change my workflow based on the things I learned here with these two other guys. So if we're finding value from it, I'm hoping someone else can too. Where else can you find the podcast, Tommy? So you can find the podcast anywhere our podcasts are available. Uh, just like on YouTube, if you really do enjoy listening to it, subscribe on, on any podcast platform, leave a review if you can. We'd really appreciate that. Uh, if you want to join the conversation and actually submit a topic, suggest a topic for us to argue and talk about yep. for an hour or more, <laughs> uh, you can do so two ways. Uh, you can go to powerbi.tips forward slash explicit measures podcast I almost said .com, but obviously. so. But not I, .com. I, but not .com. <laughs> or you can uh, go on Twitter and mention Power BI Tips with the hashtag EMP Mailbag. There should also be a description in the video for uh, submitting a mailbag. Uh, you can submit as many as you want, but just something that you think that would be a good topic for us to talk about. Again, we always see this as the Power BI water cooler. And so the more people kind of joining in the conversation, I think the better topics we can we can find. There's also a link in the description now for forms you can go fill out and it takes it right to the page and you can go out and fill out your ideas. So if you want Tommy to get all heated and argue about something, uh, say something bad about the New York Yankees and then tie it into Power BI and, and Tommy will... Tommy will get heated. Dude, Italy won the Euro 2020. Uh, <laughs> I I don't care about anything anymore <laughs> except for that. Dig it. Gentlemen, thank you very much. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, really appreciate your time today. I learned a lot of great, cool stuff. Uh, we'll see you on Thursday.